Jesus, the healer of brokenness, Savior, the fixer of troubled soul, Redeemer, you're turning my eyes to Thee. You're just and merciful. Oh God of beauty and grace, you are my resting place. Yeah, all of my life is found in you. You've taken my brokenness, made me whole once again. Yeah, all of my life is found in you, Lord, I'm found in you. Let's sing that again. Jesus, the healer of brokenness. Oh, Jesus. The healer of brokenness, the Savior, the fixer of troubled soul, Redeemer, you're turning my eyes to Thee, yes, You are You're just and merciful. Oh, God of beauty and grace, you are my resting place. All of my life is found in you. You've taken my brokenness, made me whole once again. It's all of my Lord, all of my life is found in you. All my security and my destiny, what lies ahead is found in you. And all my hopes and dreams, and all my thoughts unseen, all my is found in you you're my sustaining breath all that gives me strength all I'm giving is found in you it's you and oh God of beauty and grace you are my
sweet Jesus Christ, my sanity. Oh, sweet Jesus Christ, my clarity. The bread of heaven broken for me. The cup of salvation held up to dream. Oh, Jesus, the mystery. Oh, Christ has died and Christ is risen and Christ will come again. Yes, he will. Sing that again, sweet Jesus Christ, my sanity. Oh, sweet Jesus Christ, my sanity. And sweet Jesus Christ, my clarity. The bread of heaven broken for me. Hope of salvation held up to dream. Oh, Jesus, the mystery. Oh, Christ has died and Christ has risen and Christ will come again. He will sing that again. Oh, Christ has died and Christ has risen and Christ will come again. He will, yeah. And I may be down, but I will rise. And it may be dark, but God is light. Oh, I may be down, but I will rise. It may be dark, but there is light. It's a marvelous light I'm running out of darkness and out of
Jesus, the mystery 
as we come and meet with you tonight, God, as we come to lift you up in worship, pray that you would change. You would meet each one of us where we are tonight, God, that you would just move and you would speak, God, that you desire a real and living relationship with us, God, something that affects every part of our lives, God, and I pray that you would just show us that that's true tonight, God, through the words of your servants, God, that you would just uh, give peace to those coming to talk, God, calm their nerves, Lord, and let your words come through as we share testimonies, God, and as, as a message is brought, God, that you would speak and that you would change our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. And Catherine is going to come up and give a testimony. say being away at college I miss worshiping with you guys that was great so thanks um, this summer I got the opportunity to go on a mission trip to Trinidad and I went with my uncle Jimmy's church and that's in Hartsville South Carolina and this group of people have been going there for years so it was just an honor to work with them and they were a fantastic group of people and doctors and nurses and he's uh, actually a cousin of mine. I just call him Uncle Jimmy, just to go ahead and clarify that. Anyway, um, the dates that I was on this trip were uh, August 1st through the 8th of this past year. And it's an opportunity that has touched me deeply. And I don't think I even know yet what an impact it's had on my life. And I'm just going to do a little bit of an overview to tell you the kind of things that went on when we were in Trinidad. And then I'm going to talk about what it meant to me personally and share a few stories. So there were two main teams, and there was a medical team and a vacation Bible school team. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that the opportunities that I was provided in this church to go on missions, I just felt so well prepared. So thank you for that. And it's really made me who I am. So at the start, I thought, you know, I've been on mission trips because of the opportunities that I've been blessed with. So I feel prepared and I feel ready. I wasn't prepared or ready. It was hard work. <laughs> but anyway. Um, we ended up touching about five different villages in four days through the medical team and the vacation Bible school team. And they, we, every village that had a medical team, the vacation Bible school team would come either before or later. So we had the opportunity to tell the people there what was coming. So a lot of the same children that got the privilege of being in vacation Bible school also got medical treatment and their families as well. And with the four days of clinics in the five different villages, we saw well over 1,200 people. That, that's just an estimate. And so, I mean, I don't think we'll ever really find out how many people saw. We tried to keep record, but some people left with their cards. Some people went in without getting them. So we'll just never really know. But I just thought that was a fantastic number of people to be able to touch. And... Um, there were divisions with the medical team. That's, that's who I worked with. So I got to stay with my Uncle Jimmy and a lot of the wonderful nurses. And there were, we, we got into the medical clinic, and it would be either in like a church or a community center. And it was divided into a couple different areas. So there would be an eye clinic 
where people were fitted for glasses and the sunglasses and all the glasses that we collected here, thank you for that because all of them got passed out. I don't, I don't even have a number for that. There were so many people and everybody got to leave with sunglasses, so that was wonderful. And there was also an area for the dentist. And I think he got into the 60s with tooth extractions, just to give you an idea what went on in there. And then um, there was kind of like a triage area where we took care of um, blood pressure, blood sugar, and pulse. And so just a principal um, complaint and problem in the area of Trinidad are hypertension and diabetes. So we got to take care of a lot of that in uh, the triage area. And then there was a region for the doctors. And that's um, Dr. Bell, my cousin, and then Dr. Bannister. So I got to mainly shadow him and then see so many procedures. I actually got to give 10 injections, if you'll believe that, something that I'd never get to do in the States. I'm not sure that I should actually say that, but anyway. Um, and then there was also a pharmacy area. So that was my main job was running back and forth between the doctors and the pharmacy to give people what they needed. So that's, that's just an overview of what happened when we were there, but it touched me on a personal level that I can't even begin to imagine. So now I'm gonna go into what I learned. And I'll just tell you, as soon as I got off of the plane and I just felt that climate and that humidity, I thought, okay, hair's gonna go up in the ponytail under a hat all week. This is, this is how it's gonna happen. So I had to get adjusted to the temperature and I had to get adjusted to the conditions in which we were living. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm a person that you can ask my parents or any of my friends. I like everything to be just so, and I, I get into a routine and a pattern, and I thought, what have I gotten myself into when I got off of that van and saw where we'd be staying? And then, thank goodness that God spoke to my heart and said, you know, Catherine, this is not going to be about you. This has to be about me. So I said a prayer that I could set myself aside and give myself up so he would be able to work through me. And with that as the start to the week, it was, it was set up to be wonderful because I just had to set myself aside and just be able to be an instrument of his will in that area. And I called my parents the first night crying because, I mean, I've, I've seen areas of poverty in, on TV, and I've, I've read about it, but it's nothing like actually being there. And I just felt su like such a shallow person because I thought, you know, I... I get upset over trivial things, and I have such great opportunities, not only living in the United States, but being brought up in a church like this and being able to go to the college that I do. And I thought, you know, I, I have so many blessings, and these people, they live in shacks, and they just don't have all the things that I'm blessed with, and yet, I mean, they can still be happy, and I get upset over the most trivial things. I remember my example that I give my parents was, these people live in shacks, and I get upset when my iPod doesn't work properly. <laughs> So I, I just felt like such a shallow person, and I felt kind of shallow in my faith as well because, you know, their stories spoke to me personally, and there was, um, we had the opportunity to visit with a family, and they had two little girls with hydrocephalus, and one of them had already passed away when we got the chance to visit, and my Uncle Jimmy told me as we were walking up to the house, he said, you know, um, the people that live in this community and the religion that they are, the Hindu religion, tells the parents that it's their sin that has been brought upon their children. So it's their fault that their little girls have hydrocephalus and it's their fault that they're dying. And I thought, oh my goodness, I can't imagine that kind of pain that these people have to go through. I don't, I can't even imagine. And so I walk into their house. They have Christian music playing. 
And I just thought, you know, these people have everything in the world against them. And even people in their own community telling them that it's their fault that their little girls had hydrocephalus, and yet they can still praise God. And so that was just, so that spoke to me personally, and I was thinking, my goodness, if they can still praise God, and I get upset over the smallest things, my goodness. Um, and you know, being on a foreign mission field also let me realize there are people everywhere that need Jesus, but when you see it on a foreign mission field, that need just intensifies. And it just makes that need for Christ all the more poignant because of all the things that they don't have. That need for Jesus is just lifted up and intensified. And I'll never forget, um, the, we got to worship with the Trinidadians on Sunday, and the minister at Presal, one of the places where we worked, said, um, you realize that you are part of a miracle. And I thought, no, really? And he said, you don't know, he told our whole team, the extent to which we'd have to prepare for a medical team like you to come to Trinidad would just be insurmountable. And then the first question that they would ask would be, well, how much are you going to pay us to come? And we did everything for free. And he said, this, this is impossible that you're here. So that was my motivation for the entire week, you know, being able to work as part of a miracle and then just stare in the face of impossibility and say, we're here in the name of Jesus and we will bring you this medical care that you need. And another thing that I'll never forget, um, the, the day that we were actually were working in the clinic in Presal, uh, there was a little girl that needed an inhaler and I don't know how long she'd had asthma, I don't know how long she had to go without it being untreated. But I, I remember giving her inhaler and seeing her smile at me and then just dart off. And so we were trying to get a lot of people seen. So I was in a rush and I just happened to glance out of the corner of my eye and just see the look on her face when she was showing her mom the inhaler. And I just thought, wow, that's, that's the glory of God right there on that little girl's face. And I just thought, this is something that I want to be a part of and go into medicine so that I can be able to use that for God's will and to bring people to him, like that little girl. And so there were there are two main things that I really learned in Trinidad that I want to take away and I keep on trying to keep them in my head and apply them to my life. And the, these two things are, you never really find out more about yourself than when you're able to set yourself aside. Because God was working in my heart and told me at the beginning of the week, Catherine, this has got to be about me, I was able to find a strength within myself and a courage on a very personal level so that I can just apply that for his will and the way he's going to use me. And the second thing is that you're never truly more filled up than when you pour yourself out. Though I was in uh, another part of the world and I was scared initially, I was so at peace and I was so happy because I was pouring myself out so God could fill me up. And as sort of a close, it was a real blessing to me to be able to worship with the Trinidadians on that Sunday. And this was really great. The church where we worshiped, their hymnals were from the 1975 Southern Baptist Convention. So I thought that's, it's great to see church planting work years, microphone, but work years in the future. And I thought this, somebody came here and planted this church and now we get to use these hymnals. So I just thought that was great. That made me smile. But what made me smile even more was the hymn that they chose. And they sang, When We All Get to Heaven. And I just thought, this is so beautiful to be able to be here with my brothers and sisters in Christ, even though we're 
you know, in different countries and worlds apart, we are still brothers and sisters in Christ. And being able to worship them was only a taste of what heaven's going to be like. So that, that was wonderful. And then the, the final night, I'll never forget, um, we, we had a little worship service at the area where we were staying. And this girl came to sing, and part of her song was, um, Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. And then she said, and later on in the song, uh, look around, God will say to you, look around, my child. Great is your reward. And I pray and I hope that I can live for hearing that. And I hope that we all do. Thank you. Well, good evening. Uh, my name is Drew Richardson. Uh, I go to ABAC here in Tiff, and I'm a sophomore. Uh, this will actually be my last semester. I'll graduate in the spring with uh, Associate of Science in Biology. And um, tonight I just want to kind of share a little about what God's done in my life this past semester, uh, some new things that I've encountered, and just some different needs that I've seen, uh, and also what God's taught me. Um, first off, I had a great experience to actually live in the dorms at ABAC. Uh, I, I was a CA, a community assistant there on campus, and so I got to work with students. I have about 20 students that I work with. I do all kinds of things with them, from helping register to, for the classes to if they have a, a problem in their room or anything like that. They come to me. I get to work with these, uh, these guys. And I um, also got to ex like joy and experience of living with three uh, roommates, and that is definitely a, a challenge, and God's taught me a lot through that. Uh, but one thing I've seen at ABAC um, is it's really a broken a place. Uh, just this past semester, the four rooms around me, I got to see all of them walk out in handcuffs at some point in the semester. And uh, different things like that. And I talk to these people, and I know them. They're my friends. We know each other by name. We play video games together. We do different things. But they're all just broken people who are looking for something to fill them up. And they find that in all kinds of things. I see them uh, with their girlfriends and boyfriends and um, with the uh, alcohol and different things that they go through on campus. And I, I really struggle because I just want to express, I want to show them the, the love of Christ that I found and what he's done for me. And so there's definitely a need for a ministry at ABAC. Um, we see that, I see that every day. The people that go to ABAC, the people they go to class with and they walk on the sidewalk with, they know that. And I just want to extend an invitation. If anyone wanted to um, work with a college ministry or kind of work with some of the college students here at First Baptist and reaching out to these students, uh, we'd greatly appreciate that. It's definitely a mission field. Uh, it's not really a suitcase college anymore. You'd be surprised how many students stay. And if you talk to them, they say, I go to a church back home. But on Sunday, they don't go anywhere in Tifton. And, uh, and that's definitely an area. There's no, there's no service on campus or anything like that for them to go to. So they really kind of have nowhere to get plugged in when they're at school. And so if anyone would be interested in that, I know we love to do that. Uh, we have some ideas and some ways that we work with students on campus. But all the help we could get, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, but also, God's shown me a huge thing this semester, and it's something that I've always known. It's something I've, I've been taught from my parents. I've been taught through servant leaders. I've been taught um, just, just coming to church and listening to Brother Wayne, and that's really about serving others. And living with three guys can be uh, difficult at times. It's not bad. Uh, we all get along great. That's one way God blessed me. He gave me three roommates that support me. They support me academically. They support me in my extracurricular things, and they also support me spiritually. And uh, it's any given day, uh, we can be in our uh, living room uh, discussing all kinds of different things. And so God definitely blessed me there. But just like any uh, guys, there can be some things that we argue over, we disagree with. 
and uh, things from taking out the trash to doing the dishes. And one thing God's really, he's teaching me. I'm nowhere near a servant by any means, but he's really taught me the importance of serving others and really what that shows them. And um, by showing them, how, that shows them their love. And I have one roommate in particular just by, um, he's not, uh, he's a Christian, but he's um, really just growing, he's learning. This has been a great semester for him, but just serving him and showing him that you care about him, um, that's done more than anything that any of us could ever say to him. And so that's one thing that I, I really, um, God's made clear in my life. It's something I've always um, been aware of and been taught, but this is something that's made real. And the next thing I'd like to talk about is, um, I really would uh, love to have some prayer, especially for my church family, um, about what God would want me to do with my life. Um, I'm a biology major, but I really don't know where I'm going to go with that um, after ABAC. If I go to UGA, I'm not even sure if I'm going to stay biology there or what I'm going to do. And that's kind of a tough thing. That's something I struggle with, exactly what's God's will for my life. We all just got back from the timeout retreat, and it was an excellent weekend. And our, really, our material was really God's will and what's he, for, what's he want for your life. And I learned a lot. A lot of the kids learned a lot. And it was definitely a thing that I needed. But I would just love for um, y'all to continue to pray for me about what God wants me to do um, as I go on. And so I'd just like to thank you for this time. Thank you for letting me share what God's taught me and what God's doing with me right now. Would you just um, pray with me? Um, dear God, we thank you for this time of worship, God. We thank you um, for just being able to come into your house, God, um, with other believers, just lifting your name up, God. It's just such a privilege and a blessing. Um, and right now, God, I pray that you would um, just take this offering we're about to give, God, um, and you would just use it for your glory, God. Um, this money doesn't really even belong to us, God. Everything that we, we are, everything we have, God, belongs to you. Um, and, and we just want to give this as a portion um, uh, of, what, of what you already have, God. We want to give this um, just recognizing, um, God, that it all belongs to you and just obedience. We want to um, offer this to you now. So I pray that, that um, this money that we give, God, you use it. Um, you would direct the people who are going to distribute it, God, and that it would be used um, with your wisdom and not our wisdom, God, and that um, it would just be used to reach out to other people, God, and just to bring glory to your kingdom. Um, so in the name of Jesus, we pray. I'd like to invite the rest of my band up here too. That'd be great. <laughs> Heaven's mercy see 
after Catherine did it so easily, but I thought that for just a second, but it worked for me, and then it didn't work, so it was kind of embarrassing anyway. Um, 
Uh, tonight, I just kind of want to share a little bit of a, a short testimony with you um, about kind of what's been going on in my life. Um, as many of you know, I'm, I'm the intern here at First Baptist Church, or one of the interns. Liz is another intern with me. And um, I just recently graduated college last spring from the University of Georgia. And um, sometimes as the intern, I don't know if any of you know this, but sometimes as the intern, we have a little bit of time to think. Um, I don't know if you stopped by there, but uh, from time to time, we have a little bit of free time. And uh, I get to think about things. And, you know, as I've had some free time, I've, I've thought about one thing a lot lately. And I think um, we brought it back up in Sunday school this morning. Hold on one second. Let me open my Bible, see if I can do it with one hand. I don't think so. So let me use two. Now you know why they use a lapel mic, right? Um, basically, what I want to share with you guys tonight is something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, and it's when I think about my life and when I think about who I am and, and what I've done, and when I look at these college students sitting down in front of me and I think about them and, and what they're doing in college and, and just look at them and their lives and who they are, um, I realize that, that we have, have a lot. We have a lot of things. Um, we have a lot of stuff. Um, we have... We have a lot. We've been blessed, particularly, you know, academically. Um, we, we've grown up in a generation, probably like none other, where, you know, it's kind of been decided for us. We're going to college. I mean, generations before us, you know, maybe that wasn't so. Maybe some people did, some people didn't. But almost all these people you see in front of you, you know, it was pretty much decided for them that they were going to college. And so academically, we've been given a lot. Um, I think spiritually, even you could say, we've been given a lot. We were raised in homes where our parents um, brought us to church. We didn't have to worry about how was I going to get there or if I was going to get there, or whether or not I was going to be persecuted or, or all these different things. You know, spiritually, we've been given a lot. Um, and I think another way, financially, um, financially, we, um, we've been given just tons. Um, my, uh, thinking about myself, you know, I really, I'm done with college. I have, I have zero financial burden after being done with college. Um, and, and, and that's an amazing thing. That's a tremendous thing. Um, and, and I have a lot. I have a job. Um, I've never really had to worry about these things maybe changing, but I've never had to worry about getting a job. Um, when I was in high school, if I needed a job, I could find one. It just wasn't, it wasn't that tough for me. Um, and as I think about these things, I think about, you know, academically and financially and spiritually, all these blessings I have and all these blessings um, that I've experienced in my life, when I think about them, I realize something important that I didn't earn one of them. I didn't earn one of them. I didn't deserve one of them. Um, I think, you know, you could say academically, maybe I, I was able to go to college because I studied hard, you know, but, but when I think about that, you know, maybe I did study hard, but, but why did I study hard, you know? Did I, did I come up with that on my own? Did somebody else tell me that? Did my parents teach me that? I didn't, I didn't come up with that on my own. I didn't, I didn't find out how to be smart. I didn't find out how to study. I didn't find out how to make good grades. Um, I didn't earn, earn you know, the financial situation I've been put in. I don't deserve um, the, the church that I've been put in or the, the spiritual upbringing that I've had. None of those things did I get for myself. Um, and I think as a college student sometimes, or, or as, as anything, you're going to run into a lot of people um, who feel a sense of entitlement for what they have. Um, and I think we're susceptible especially to that because I think we can look around us and see a lot of times and even sense a superiority to other people. Because we'll look around and we'll say, you know, look, look, at, the, look at the position I'm in. You know, look, look how I was able to, to, to go to college and to get the Hope Scholarship. And, and I, I have this sense of entitlement sometimes that I've earned it in some way. Um, but when I really look at my life and when I really study who I am and what I've done, I find out one thing, and that's that I haven't earned a thing in my life. 
I haven't deserved a thing in my life. Um, in fact, everything I have has been completely given to me, just handed to me, given to me. Um, and sometimes I, I struggle with that. And I want to ask, you know, you know, how did that happen? You know, what, what was it? And um, when I think about that, you know, I've come to the conclusion. I'll kind of let you come to this conclusion on your own. I'm not going to read any scripture about this, but, but it's God's grace. Um, if it weren't for God's grace, I'm no different than anybody else. You know, maybe if I was born into a different situation, I probably wouldn't be who I am today. Actually, I know for a fact I wouldn't be who I am today. It's only by God's grace that I have all these things that he's given me. And so I think um, that as we think about that and as you think about yourself as well, because I think a lot of you are in the same situation I am, um, we need to ask an important question, a very, very important question. And that question is, what in the world do I do with what I've been given? What do I do with what I have? Um, because that's kind, of, that's kind of what it all boils down to. If I have something that I didn't earn, um, that I didn't find, what do I do with it? What do I do with it now? Um, and I think we find that in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. This is going to be extremely short, but just follow along with me here. 1 John 3:16. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. I want to read that passage one more time to you. Starting in verse 16, it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue. I mean, let us not lo yeah, love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. As I read that passage, as I look at it, um, and I see you know, what John's talking about here, he's basically saying, listen, this love that God has commanded you to have, these two greatest commandments that say, love God and love your neighbor, this is how it's manifest. This is how it's done. This is how you love with your actions and especially with your possessions. And by possessions, I mean everything from your intellect um, to your you know, finances um, to your spirituality. All those things are, are things that we possess because God has given them to us. And, and I think John tells us how we love um, right here. And to me, it all boils down to this. When I think about why I've been blessed and how I've been blessed, there's only really one purpose that I could think of for myself being blessed. And that purpose is to bless other people. Beyond me blessing other people, there's no reason for me to have what I have. There's no reason for me to be in a, the position I'm in um, if it's not to meet needs um, that, that people have. Um, and I think, you know, John says that pretty clearly here. And so, you know, the question I want to ask you guys tonight is, how are you going to do this? You know, how are you going to do this? Especially at the start of this decade. I was telling somebody the other day, at the start of the last decade, I was, I was 13 years old. A lot of things have changed from the time I was 13 until the time I was 23. And I know it's going to be the same way in the next decade, even though it can pass kind of quickly. Um, but the question I have for you for these next 10 years is how in the world are you going to bless other people with what God has blessed you with? How can we do that? Um, as Brother Wayne was saying earlier today, this is kind of just an extension of what he said. How are we going to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, heal the sick, care for the forgotten? How are we going to do these things that are obviously of utmost importance 
to Jesus in the New Testament. He talks about these things repeatedly, over and over again. If you love me, this is what you do. You know? If you want to show me you care for me, you care for these other people. This is what you do with what I've given you. Um, he says, to whom much is given, much, much is expected, much is required, much is asked. Um, how are we going to do that? How are we going to meet these needs? And I think, you know, when I think about how to meet these needs, I think of a few things, and I'll tell you what a few people are going to do. Um, and, and this is kind of the sad part is that, that it will be a few people in the, in the largest sense. A few people are going to start something like backpack blessings. Um, I think we can all, all say, man, we're proud to be a part of something like that. I mean, I think it was received, um, you know, by the church in a way that we can say, man, everybody was proud to be a part of, of backpack blessings. I don't know whose idea it was or where it came from or whatever, and I don't even think it matters, but some people, somebody's going to do something like that. Um, somebody's going to adopt a child and change somebody's life. I mean, in one instant, they're going to change somebody's life. I mean, no doubt about it. Um, somebody's going to become a big brother or a big sister. Um, they're going to they're feed somebody at the soup kitchen. You know, they're going to donate clothes for somebody. Those things are going to happen. But the truth is, a lot of times, those things are done by the few. Um, and, and even though they're done by the few, I think a lot of times we get involved with it. We see that it's happening. We're like, man, yeah, I'll, I'll get involved with that. And that's good and that's great. Um, but in a way, I think in this new decade, we have to do more than that. We have to do more than that. We have to do something greater than that. Um, and, and when I think about it myself, I have to ask myself, what am I going to do then? I'm up here talking all about it. And this passage says, you know, words and action, I mean, words and, and what you say and all that kind of stuff only goes so far, but actions are what truly matter. And so I've asked myself, and over the past probably month or so, um, a burden, God has laid a burden on my heart for community in Tifton. Um, and so one of the things I'm doing, and I don't know how it's going to work out, I'm going I'm to try to go to that community this spring and begin um, to do maybe a couple of things, maybe one or the other, but one thing I know I want to do probably is some tutoring, um, and number two, maybe do some backyard Bible club type stuff where I just get to hang out with kids and, and play with kids and that kind of thing, because the truth is, when I'm thinking about this community in Tifton, and it's a small community, not many people that live in this little bitty community in Tifton, um, you know, when I think about it, I know their needs that need to be met. I know their needs. I know they have needs. I know they need things done for them. I know there are needs that I can probably help them meet. Um, but the truth is, there's no way I can figure out what in the world these needs are unless I get into their community and get to know some of these people um, and, and, and meet them and talk to them and experience life with them. Um, because really and truly, that's the hard part for me. And I think that's the hard part for all of us. I think everybody in here would say, yeah, we're willing to meet a need, and we see that through Backpack Blessings. You know, show it to us. Um, but sometimes... Sometimes it takes greater involvement than just seeing a need and meeting it. Sometimes you actually have to search out. You have to search out need. Um, sometimes it doesn't just hit you right in the face. And so one of my challenges or, or my main challenge for you today is, is how are you going to do that? How are you going to seek out need um, so that you can change people's lives? So that you can love in a way um, that honors what Jesus said, honors what John said in this passage. Um, how are we going to do that? Um, because I think if we do that, we can change things. We can change a town. We can have an impact on our community. Um, I, I imagine, you know, my generation, I, I've always hoped, and I hope um, this will be true when, when I get older, you know, that our generation is known, is known for loving people, you know, more than anything else, is known for loving people and caring for people. And that takes work, and that's hard. Um, and, you know, it's hard to say that, that that's what my life will be about, but that's what I hope and that's what I pray for. Um, and, you know, maybe, just maybe, 
If we do this and if we seek out ways to, to meet needs and to help people and to, to clothe um, and to feed um, and, and to provide shelter, if we seek out ways to do this, maybe the whole community will look at First Baptist one day and call it the church built on love. Just maybe. Maybe that could happen. Um, I believe it can. I believe I, I, I see a spirit within, within us um, that wants to give and wants to care and wants to love. Um, but we, we, we have to. I'm convinced that we have to be active in doing this. And we have to look for ways and search for ways and search for need, even when it's not obvious, even when we can't see it. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know what, what your plan is for us in this next decade, what your plan is for this church, Lord. Um, but I pray um, for this church and this body, God, that you would help us just to see, um, see need around us. Because, God, I'm convinced that, that we want to meet needs, but sometimes we just we don't want it bad enough to search them out. Um, so help us to do that. Give us a passion to find people that have needs, God, and to meet them um, in your love. Lord, we love you and thank you for giving us things that we don't deserve. God, I pray that more than anything, we would be faithful in what you've given us. In your name I pray. Amen. And Blair Wayne's going to be here at the front. If you have um, any sort of decision to make or anything you want to uh, pray about at the altar, if you want to talk to Brother Wayne or anything like that, um, this will be the time for that. And I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Oh, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. My sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find that thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spot and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. My sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Yes, he washed it white as snow.